The Youthscape Podcast. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Youthscape Podcast with me, Martin Saunders. And with me, Rachel Gardner. Do you know what we haven't done for a while is introduce ourselves properly. Okay. I think we should do that. So yeah. I am the uh, Deputy Chief Executive at uh, Youthscape here and uh, I have been involved in youth ministry for getting on for 20 years. Oh, wow. That's terrifying. That is wonderful. I used to say there was that thing where milestones oh, shift yes, and you're like, oh yeah, I'm for 15 years. Oh no, no. It's more like 20 now. Yes. My 20, my life is disappearing before my eyes. But I uh, have been involved as a, as a volunteer uh, youth leader for most of that time. But I've held various roles in, in youth ministry organisations. And you still do volunteer youth work, which I, I think do. is great. Yes. In the local church. And increasingly making an idiot of myself in front of children. Oh, that's brilliant. So, uh, my name's Rachel Gardner, and I, too, work for Youthscape. I'm the um, Director of National Work here, um, and I also am a volunteer youth worker in a local church setting. And as part of what I do at Youthscape, I pilot new programmes around relationships, and particularly around CSE. So, there's an interrupt programme that I'm piloting in schools in Luton at the moment, working with, at the moment, teenage girls who are at risk of um, mm. criminal or sexual exploitation. So, we kind of... We kind of are involved, Martin, aren't we, with kind of the operational stuff on the ground, youth work here, mm. um, but also thinking strategically around the organisation as a whole, but also what God might be saying to UK youth ministry as a whole. And we work really closely with our partners in Urban Saints and Youth for Christ and Limitless and Tearfund and the Sally Army. No, you can't forget one. You've got to keep going. I've got to keep going. So please, if I've not listed you, you are here in the bleep. Bleep. There we go. But it's really important for us as Youthscape that we are partnering with everybody who's doing youth ministry, Mm. that we're not doing this on our own. So exciting. Look, that was a proper proper introduction. We haven't done one of those for some months. Beautiful. But I just thought we do this every week and there, yeah. there is a chance someone's joined months ago and yeah. still has no idea who, who we are. Who the heck are they? Why do they keep talking about themselves <laughs> and yet not telling us anything about themselves? <laughs> it's very strange. I do, before we get into the serious business of today, yes. because we've been too serious for too long, I, um, the other day, was in a charity shop <laughs> and I, I realised my age in a new way because I, um, I saw a DVD... A DVD, uh, obviously they'd, they'd remastered it in some way, of Pigeon Street, which Pigeon was a uh, children's yes. TV programme when I was growing up. Yep. And I realised, because everybody I spoke to, like all the staff at Youthscape, nobody knew what Pigeon Street was. Oh, no, I mean, not from not, me. Not the older ones, but you do, and it's I affirmed do. me. But yeah. a bunch of the, the, the actual you know youth, youth worker team and lots of, lots of people around did not know what Pigeon Street was. And it, and it made me feel old, but it also made me think... They, they don't realise these people, they don't know they're born, and they don't realise how great TV used to be before Netflix. When you just had four channels, yeah, and you had to like wait, you had to schedule the time of day when you were going to, I forget YouTube, mm. you, had to, you had to wait for a specific hour of the day when you could watch children's TV. And I'll tell you what, Rachel, you were grateful. You were We great. were grateful for it. So, while Martin does his grumpy old man No, no, secrets, I want to know what your favourites were. When I was, well, I... In my family, I, I grew up in a Christian family. My parents were fairly new Christians when I was a little kid. Um, and we were a little bit of a family that didn't watch TV and didn't oh, do really? a lot of things. So I, I haven't got... I, I remember Pigeon Street, but I don't remember much else. Ooh. I remember... Yeah, I remember that. And actually, um, the Moomins, I think, we used to the watch Moomins, as well. The Moomins, very but good. But I remember a, a real watershed moment as a family was us watching the A-Team. Would it be the Saturday night, oh, Friday night? A-Team, Saturday night, 5pm. Saturday night, yeah. And we would watch that religiously yeah. as a family. And I think that's what... 
So this, basically, this last week, I hate game shows on TV. I came home and my husband, who always breaks the rules in our family... Hello to Jason Garner. Was Hello, Jason. Hi, darling. He, he doesn't listen to the podcast, I don't think. And he was watching one of these games, I think it was Pointless, with our daughter. And, I, oh, and no. honestly, I walked in as if he had just done the worst bit of parenting ever. Because I'm just like, I hate that stuff. But I sat down and for the first time in a long time, the three of us did family viewing. Wow. Because actually that's what's changed, isn't it? Because as, as a family, like it was the A-team or nothing else, you'd yeah. watch together. Whereas now actually someone could be watching one thing in one room. Different screens. Someone, yeah. And that made me kind of like, oh, mm, yeah. That is an interesting challenge. Yeah, yeah. I find that with my kids quite often because yeah. they're 12, 10, yeah. 7, I think, and 4. Yeah. I know that he's 7. Um, they, uh, they they just like different things. Yeah. And they we you know, we make the seven-year-old really still watch CBeebies, mm. but the ten and the twelve-year-old they want to watch something completely yeah. different. They want to watch a movie or something, yeah. and so um, so it's quite hard. It you do difficult. end up on different screens. It is difficult, um, and uh, and and that's a shame. Yes. I think now, on some I'm level. I'm not sure about like why we're having this conversation. There's no way. I just I, I like talking like about old kids it. TV. Like I think that. if you want more old ki- kids TV chat on the Youthgate podcast, then let's know <laughs> uh, podcast at youthgate.co.uk no! no! or, or tweet us at Youthgate. Yeah, do tweet us. At I think lots of people will want more of this. I can do um, theme tunes. You can from the from the eighties. You can do all sorts. Of things I, I, I could do a we whole special issue on the mysterious cities of gold. <laughs> but. Because we're not going to do that now, let us now introduce you to our guest, who also is not quite as old as us, but no. probably would know some of these TV programmes if yes. he was sat in the room. But actually, I went and I interviewed him. Actually, it's very funny. I went, I went to Lambeth Palace to interview him, and Again. it's not. Yeah, I popped back there, and it's not the it's not the ABC. But we were in um, a room where the with the window is like a skylight, and and as we were, as I literally pressed press record on my phone. All this blossom began to come through the window and like settled on him like a little halo. And I was thinking like socially, at what point do I need to say to this lovely man, your hair is full of blossom? But I didn't. So uh, Blossom was a great kids TV programme. Anyway, this is the conversation that I had with Jimmy Dale at Lambeth Palace. And I'll let him introduce himself. Jimmy Dale or Chippendale Rescue Rangers? Stop! The Youthscape Podcast. So I'm sat in Lambeth Palace and the birds are tweeting and the blossom is actually falling through the windows onto our heads and I'm sat in front of Jimmy Dale. Hi. Introduce yourself, Jimmy. Who are you? Um, Hi, so I'm Jimmy Dale and I have the privilege of being the National Youth Evangelism Officer for the Church of England. So that, uh, in a nutshell, means that I oversee uh, what the Church of England is doing to help churches and young people and diocese to engage in sharing faith, both with young people who are in our churches, but also outside of the church as well. Wonderful. So quite a big job. The whole of the UK is your remit. Uh, yes, the whole of the Church of England. So, uh, <laughs> so I edit, uh, 44 dioceses, uh, 16,500 churches. Ah, oh, just a small patch. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. And we're sat here at Lambeth Palace, and it is, if you can hear the birds, I mean, we're in central London, but all you can hear is the birds singing. It's so beautiful, isn't it? It's wonderful. Yeah. Um, and Jimmy, but you, you've only been in this role a very short amount of time, really, haven't you? Tell us yeah. what you were doing before you were in this role. So before coming into this role, uh, I used to work for Youth for Christ. So I used to be a director of a centre down in Newham in East London, and uh, we were all about how do we support local churches to be able to run sustainable and effective youth ministry there. 
So you've been a youth worker in many different guises in a number of different ways. Yeah, so I did that for about five years. And prior to that, I was a a parish youth worker, again, kind of in East London uh, for five years before that. So um, it's coming on for for nearly 12 years now that I've been doing youth ministry. Oh, my goodness. You're serious about this stuff. (laughs) So um, I wanted to ask you some questions about not so much about youth work now, but about how, in your experience, how young people, as a big homogenous group how they understand ecclesiology, so how they understand church. Because we, we often talk, don't we, as youth workers, and say that young people are less connected to denominations and denominationalism than previous generations. And, and what do we mean by that? So, so you've worked C of E, non-C of E, you've kind of done what lots of us have done, have jumped around a little bit, one body yeah. of Christ but different churches. Are you seeing something different in youth culture around that as well? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think that there's... There's a really interesting trend going on. So last year, we were very involved in a big piece of research called Talking Jesus Youth. And um, what was really interesting, I mean, there were there was two statistics that came out, which were, we'll call them controversial statistics. <laughs> um, we like controversial and, statistics. <laughs> uh, one, one of them in particular was, um, so we... Uh, we asked are you a Christian and obviously when you ask are you a Christian what you get is you get a number who will tick yes out of cultural nominal or yeah. inherited sense yeah. um, but um, we kind of we wanted to set a defining factor on on what qualified as what we were classing as a practicing Christian and we had the the hindsight of following uh, the adult talking Jesus piece and within that they had set parameters that you were classed as a practicing Christian if you um, read your Bible and prayed once a week and you went to church once a month. And um, it's a really low bar, isn't it? It feels like it's a low bar, (laughs) but actually what's really interesting is the amount of conversations that I've had subsequently with people who have said, well, I wouldn't qualify as a Christian then. Wow. Um, And some of these people are leading ministries, leading churches, and and, which is slightly terrifying in and of itself. But um, so we use the same litmus test with young people. And what we found was that across across the UK, thirteen uh, percent, so one three percent, um, qualified as practicing Christians. And uh, outside of the church, people were were really accepting of this. And inside the church, there was there was an absolute riot that this was this was completely wrong, and that there was no way this was the case. Um, and uh, there was a whole number of blogs and articles which were written about why this wasn't the case. Uh, interestingly, no one had any issues with young people reading their Bible and praying once a week. But that issue of going to church mm. was really contentious. Um, why do you think that was? Because I think I remember us as youthscape looking at that, going, "Oh my goodness, what is this telling us?" It's like yeah. whenever you see stats, you want to ask the questions about it. So, yeah. why do you think it provoked such a reaction among people who love young people and want to see them in church? What? Yeah, and I mean, I think I think the reason for a lot of people is that the, it led to a response of thirteen percent. If there were 13% of young people in my church, I would know about it. Yeah. And there are not 13% of young people in my church. So are there churches that I don't know about where there are hordes of young people? Or is this statistic just wrong? Mm. And I think for me, there's a really interesting question that we didn't, we didn't ask young people, what do you mean by church? It was a quantitative, what it, you mean not quantitative. Yes. We didn't ask, what do you yeah. mean by church? We didn't ask, what's the name of your church? Where does your church meet? What does your church look like? And so actually for some of those young people, going to a chapel service as part of their school, that could be church. 
going to a youth group. If going back to kind of when I was doing kind of uh, parish level youth work, we used to run a group on a on a Wednesday evening where we would have about fifteen young people mm. look like a cell group. We would mm. do worship, we would do teaching, we would do uh, ministry time. If you ask those young people, are you in church? They would say yes. Mm. But when we look at the statistics, we only ever count Sunday morning. That that's that's still very much ingrained in us as a church. That that's what the end so goal is. That I had a conversation. In fact, I had a conversation with somebody yesterday uh, at the end of church who wanted to ask me why are we investing so much money in youth work as a church and it's not resulting in young people on a Sunday morning. Mm. Um, and actually, I think for so many young people, there is this sense of I'm part of church and that doesn't look like Sunday yeah. morning. They're invisible to the Sunday congregation. Aren't yeah. They? yeah, and so I think that there's a much broader question yeah. that if we are genuinely serious about how do we support young people if you've got that bigger group of young people who already think that they're in and as the church we're saying no you're not you're not you're not our version of in then actually what what result does that have other than saying that that group end up just feeling ostracized and set apart and and just falling away really Mm. i think that there's a real challenge in in how is the church do we look to say, okay, instead of waiting for young people to, to come to a Sunday morning, mm. how do we go out to those places which young people are already part of, mm. where they already think that they're part mm. of church? Mm. And maybe some of those places are church mm. and we're not recognising them. And maybe some of those places aren't. And actually then the question becomes, how do we help to make those places mm. church? Mm. Uh, so I was going to ask you that question because I... I, I'm, I'm sitting here nodding away. No one can see this because it's a podcast. But um, it is, again, I think it's a bit of research that's, that's helpfully raised some of our blind spots, hasn't it? Mm. Like, we know that the church is more than the building and more than Sunday morning. And yet, fundamentally, we work with a church that operates in that model, even if we mm. as youth workers don't. So here's a question. Does it matter how young people view church? Because my young people at my church probably do have a very kind of interesting idea of what church is. Although I would say their attendance is probably a lot higher than lots of the adults in our church, the Sunday morning ones. Um, And there we go, I've separated them off again, haven't I? I haven't talked to you about the 35 that come on a Tuesday night. I've talked about the 17 that come on a Sunday morning. So does it matter how young people view church? Does it matter? I mean... I think that there is, there's definitely something to be said for church. I think that... And we're talking a, a set congregation of people who are wanting to be together and pursuing Christ together. Yeah, yeah sure. So, um, I mean, I think, I think when it comes, what's really interesting is, um, so I was asked to do a talk about this recently. And so I was like, well, that's fine. And what I'll do is I'll, I'll look up what the set definition is of what is church and what isn't oh, church. Oh, good. What did and you so, find? So coming from the Church of England, you would expect there to be something solid. And I mean... There's so little that actually we, we're, we're terrified of defining it because I think as soon as we define it, it means that we define some people out and some people in. Yeah. And I, so we, we don't do it. So we just n- have never really defined what does it mean to be church. Um, I think for me, there's, there's a number of things that, that kind of are really helpful when we're thinking about church. I think if, it's got to be a place where people are encouraged and... Um, resourced and equipped in what does it mean for me to share my faith that idea of evangelism how how is that being done um i think it's also got to be a place where actually that discipleship element is happening where um actually how are we seeing people grow in their relationship with jesus um i think that there's there's got to be something about being a committed body that actually Mm. committing to a community um not just doing it on your own i think that especially amongst 
20-somethings um, and millennials, there's, there is a real trend of, I don't need to go to church because I can sit in my room, listen to my favourite worship music, listen to my yeah, favourite podcast, podcast yeah. and yeah. that's church for me. And I think that we've, we've got to do this with other people mm. because you can't, you can't authentically challenge yourself. Mm. You can't auth- authentically push yourself forward. Um, interestingly, my, uh, my wife, when she talks about her faith, so she became, a, she became a Christian quite young, and she will say that the, the number one thing that kept her in church had nothing to do with church on a Sunday morning. It had nothing to do with her youth worker, and her youth worker was amazing. Um, what it was was that on a Sunday morning, the, um, her and some of her friends' mums got bored of the fact that they weren't coming to church. So when, if you're not coming to church, you're at least getting out of bed. And so we'd kick them all out of bed, and they would all go around to, to Sarah, my wife's house, and they would sit on her bed on a Sunday morning with a cup of tea, and they would talk about life. And what was really interesting is they would talk about life, they would support each other in Mm. that, and then they would actively pray for each other in that. Mm. And she will say that hands down, that is the reason why she is still a Christian today, is because she had that group who got around her and connected faith Mm. with her real life situations. Mm. Mm. So I think that's got to be part of church. So can I just ask you then, to be really provocative, because this is listened to by lots of phenomenal youth workers, volunteer youth workers, and and there is a tension in our thinking, isn't there, of like, okay, I run a Tuesday evening I've, I've finished my full-time job if I don't work for the church go home you have some dinner come out run the Tuesday drop-in program and I'm not sure what that is that church we might do a little bit of a god slot we probably don't we sort of do really important conversations we listen really well we pray for these young people we might offer prayer at the end so I mean how do we do we call that church or do we say actually everything we do with young people if at the heart of it is for them to encounter Christ even if it's kind of Christianity light because of the context mm. actually this is part of church how, how does this land yeah no definitely I think um the missional communities stuff is is a really interesting way of looking at this and um back when I was at uni I, I wrote my dissertation about this that for so many churches they are unconsciously running a missional community model um that if you take that outside of young people into a whole bunch of other different settings so there take a mums and tots group for instance there is a whole bunch of people who are engaging with church where they would say that they are engaging with church they're never going to come on a Sunday morning because of whatever else, but they are engaging with church. Mm. And you have a choice there that you can say, oh, isn't it a shame that they're never going to be part of church? Or you can say, how do we take the space where they are and mm. make that part of church? Mm. Mm. There's an old people's group who meet and play scrap. How do we make that an intentional space where people are encouraged in evangelism, are encouraged in discipleship, and what does it mean mm. for me to follow Jesus? Mm. Um, that are doing that in community. I mean, I think the, the kind of the two other areas that that kind of come and play part of that is um, is the Bible doesn't talk a lot about church, talks very little about church, it talks a lot about leadership. Yeah. Um, and what does it mean to be a, to be a godly Bible-centered leader? Um, and actually, um, what, does that, what does that look like for us to have within those, to be establishing people who are, are happy to lead, who are happy to kind of, mm. and so often that is us as youth workers, is we become those leaders. Yes. But then also those kind of those spaces at the end for, for kind of what within the Church of England we would call sacramental worship, so yes. uh, communion, um, baptism, those kind of those those spaces where those almost those spiritual rites of passage that Symbols, that bring us yeah. back and root us in something. Um, and I think I think that there's no reason why you can't have all of those things happening in some of those missional communities. And I think the challenge becomes as a church 
do we view ourselves as only the body of Christ on a Sunday morning or actually do we see the youth group as as much part of the church as the Sunday morning? That's awesome. I think for me one of the real challenges which I would love to ask so many churches is it's going back to me as a youth worker. So I've got what is essentially a culturally relevant version of church for the young people who I'm working with. If I would have stood up and said, you know what, guys, Sunday morning, we are going to be launching a brand new plant of our church. Um, It's not going to be very far. We're literally just going to do it at the other end of the church building. (laughs) It's going to happen in the youth room. It's going to happen on a a Wednesday evening. And uh, predominantly, it's going to be young people. But what we would love is we would love for some of you guys to come with us as part of that plant. Some of you adults to give up coming on a Sunday morning and come and be part of that community. What would that then look like? Um, and I think for so many churches, that mindset of the end goal is Sunday morning, mm, that actually that would, shift that, that would yeah. really jar with them, yeah. that that can be church as much as this yes. is church. Because I suppose the thinking still, isn't it, is, is and this is to, to kind of cast an awful kind of mindset on people who probably don't mm. have this mindset. But sometimes someone sat in the church on a Sunday morning in the service, sorry, might say, well, the Tuesday night sports group or the drop-in programme or the safer scene programme is actually mm. a holding cell yeah. for when this young person can be institutionalised into Sunday morning, which equals church. Yeah. And you're saying, Jimmy, actually, what if the people running and, and supporting that said, actually, this is a missional community and it might all be centred around sports, it might all be centred around motorbike certificates, it might all be centred around a self-esteem programme, but actually our purpose for doing this is to introduce young people to the way of Christ yeah. and we'll do that culturally. And mm. That's a brilliant sort of yeah. rethinking, isn't it? Yeah, and I mean, I think, I think what it does is it it asks some really difficult questions of that group that actually both for the leader and for the church that if this is going to be the only church that these young people are going to know what needs to change in this group that makes this church so actually are there things that we're not doing because essentially we're waiting until these young people have reached a certain level or or kind of gained a certain like whatever that they're ready to progress that 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 kind Mm. of almost that it's almost like a training institution Mm. Uh, I once heard kind of youth uh, youth ministry described as a finishing school that we're essentially there to teach young people what to say when to stand what to do so then when they're ready they can graduate to church that actually um if, if that they're never going to graduate, if this is it, this is the end, then what needs to change? What questions do we need to ask that, that make this a sustainable model where young people are going to continue to grow? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think sometimes that one of the big questions that comes out, one of the big challenges when, when you start to think about this is, well, what does it look like then if it's just young people? And my, my honest theological belief is that it shouldn't just be young people. I think it should be, it should be multi-generational. Mm-hmm. That actually, the, when I look at youth groups up and down this country, the youth groups which are really growing are the ones where there is a more than just one or two individuals, but where there is a whole group mm. of individuals who are part of that adult congregation mm. maybe, but not just kind of look like 20-somethings with hoodies, but mm. like your, your, your OEPs who want to come and do jigsaw puzzles with young people, your, mm. your kind of your dad who's out of work who can kind of come, yeah. like actually those people and committing into those young people, committing yeah. into their lives, that relationship element broader than just people yes. like us yes. I think that actually that's the real differential yeah. that, and actually you see that you see that up and down the country that 
if you look at the churches that are really growing, um, some people get very, very etchy when you start talking about it like this, but if you, uh, if you shift it over to business principles, business principles are like business principle 101, know what you're good at and do that. Don't, don't get distracted by other things, know what you're good at and do that well. Mm. That actually the churches which are really growing is where they've done that, where they've mm. identified we are a church about this. And that can be that doesn't have to be young people, that can be anything. That can be students, that can be young families, that can be OAPs, that can be anything. And that doesn't mean that unless you fit that grouping, you are excluded from the church. That means everybody is welcome, but we are committed as a church to reaching this mm. particular people group. Mm. And actually I think that within youth ministry so often we have the starting base of the people we are trying to reach but what we're missing is we're missing the commitment from the the adult church Mm. or the broader church or whatever you want to call it Mm. the sunday morning congregation we're missing the kind of the commitment and the blessing and Mm. the investment to say how do we make that as much a part of church as what we're doing on a sunday morning Going back to your talking Jesus research then, mm. I suppose the challenge that's still left hanging in the air is if that what if if thirteen percent of young people say, Yeah, I rock up at church, but they don't mean it in the way that we mean it, we're then seeing an openness to church that probably we've misread. And so to draw in some of Youthscape's latest research around no questions asked, which just was just sixteen young people in Luton. So mm. we need to be careful. The team always say to us, be careful what you extrapolate for the whole of the country, and that they're right to say that. But, but what we found with those interviews was that an hour-long interview with a Christian youth worker or a young person of no faith or other faith starts by saying, no, I'm not really interested in God. By the end of the hour of someone lovingly just gently opening up the conversation, all of them at the end are saying, oh, I want to find out more. I want to explore this. Mm-hmm. So we've got these two things together, haven't we? Young people who are potentially more open to the idea of a gathered group and also yeah. once they find a space where they can ask their questions, actually suddenly the questions come thick and fast. I mean, Jimmy, I think you've just landed on something massive. Into, I mean, but this is what you're about, isn't it? Finding yeah. those sweet spots in culture. So do you draw anything from those two bits of research together? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the other, the other really big controversial stat that came out of the Talking Jesus research was... Is that we're all, we're all aliens? Aliens, yeah. <laughs> was the, um, <laughs> we, so, so we kind of, learning from the adult piece where they, they'd kind of set this parameter as to what qualified as a practicing Christian... They then asked a follow-up question of, would you define yourself as an active follower of Jesus? Ah. Now, we have a really defined idea in our head about what that means. And so when 21% say yes, again, the Christian community goes, <laughs> absolutely not. Like, <laughs> one in five young people are active followers of Jesus. We've, we've got revival on our hands. But actually, I think what's, what's really interesting there is that two things have happened. That we have a generation which has never been as open to talking about faith as wanting to engage with what does it mean to follow Jesus. Like, I mean, people are constantly surprised that young people are interested in Jesus. Mm. But actually, if you look at the narrative of Jesus and his message and what he's about, he literally addresses every mm. single one of the deep-rooted, core, foundational questions that young mm. people are facing around identity and belief and about belonging. And, like, Jesus is the answer to all that. Of course mm. he's going to be appealing to young mm. people. But as the church, we have bought into a narrative that people yes. aren't in interested and so what we've done is we've retreated and what that's left is it's opened up this wide open space where young people want to engage 
and there's no one to engage with. And so all the statistics, I mean, Talking Jesus found that young people are twice as likely to be influenced in their faith by the news as they are by a youth worker. In fact, they're as likely to be influenced by a celebrity as they are by a youth worker. Now, that's not to say that youth workers aren't doing an amazing like job but what that's saying is that for young people when they're asking those questions the church and youth workers are not their number one person mm. they're going to and i think a huge part of that is to do with how what the church has done with visibility and how mm. it's kind of retreated yeah. yeah so young people are going to the news they're going to the internet they're it's going YouTube. to celebrities they're yeah. googling it they're youtubing it yeah. and that's where they're finding the answers yeah and their answers are i'm in and that doesn't match our answers and as the church, we go, well, you're, you're wrong. And that's mm. the end of the discussion. Mm. Whereas, again, it's similar to the church discussion. It's about mm. how do we say, okay, that's really great that you want to have that discussion. How do we facilitate the spaces where yeah. we can have that discussion? It's just so beautiful. Because, actually, I think for, for so many of these young people, we have a choice when it comes to church that we can let two, we can let two things happen. Either we can let them engage with the, the narrative of the church as a whole, and actually the church as a whole, so often the image which they get of that comes from the news. It comes from the scandal stories. It comes from the times when we get it wrong. That actually, if we let that be the narrative, then we, sh- we shouldn't be surprised when people don't want to engage. But actually for me, what I find is that when I talk to my non-Christian friends and they find out that I'm a Christian, then actually their view of church yes. and their entire worldview around oh, faith and about Jesus, yeah. it shifts. because it has they to. It has to shift because they love you. Because they know yeah. me. But then yeah. simultaneously what happens is that I then get to shape their view. So actually then in, once they know that I'm a Christian... I, I had it the other day actually a, a guy who's part of my running club we were running together um, and he said to me you're a Christian what do Christians think about this mm. and actually all of a sudden I become the voice piece for what the entire <laughs> oh, church believes about that which yeah on the one hand <laughs> is terrifying <clears throat> yeah. but on the other hand is really exciting because I get to choose the narrative about what this person then thinks mm. about church how they engage with church in a way where actually if I'm not around where are they yes, going to pull that from? Yes. Either they're going to they're going to kind of read something online, like, read something online yeah, or, or whatever else, but that's going yeah. that's going to be the thing which is going to shape what church looks yeah. like for them. Yeah. Um, or I get to do that, and I think yeah. it's a huge privilege that as Christians, the more we're able to step out, the more we're able to to say, you know what, I'm a Christian, mm. and I don't look like what mm. the media makes us look like. Mm. The more that narrative changes. And then for all those people who are saying, I want to engage with Jesus, I want to engage with church, and maybe that doesn't look like mm. what we think engaging with Jesus or engaging with church looks like, mm. we're able to connect with those people and we're able to shape that. And maybe that's never going to end out with them yes. sitting in a pew on a Sunday morning, but it is going to shape what it means yeah. for them to live a life following Jesus. And let's face Jesus. it, I don't want a Christian faith that's about me sat on a pew on a Sunday morning, so I no. don't want that for young people. So I've given you no warning for this next question. Jimmy, <laughs> this has been outstanding, such insights into how, and I, I'm feeling myself challenged, actually, even in my language, Sunday morning, Tuesday, youth group, actually, this, this, this is, di- I have to shift a bit my thinking, mm. because actually what we do then comes from some of our assumptions. So here's a question. These wonderful youth workers listening to this, many of them are in the States that are listening to this and maybe very different context there. But what one thing would you like to see, particularly for a UK context in your role as um, uh, the don of uh, youth <laughs> evangelism for the UK CB Church, but what one thing could a church do that's very simple, maybe just with volunteer youth workers, that communicates to young people in the community 
we are church and we're for you. Like, have you seen anything that you think, well, that was so simple and that just, that just would have clicked with young people that this church is not locked down, shut down, you're either in or out, but actually this is a church for you? I, I, th- I think one of the things which is really interesting is um, I think young people are incredibly perceptive about our motives and about why, why we're there and what we're about. And I think that so often, everything we do, we are trying to create a, uh, a kind of pipe, a pipeline, really. <laughs> yeah. Like, the, how can we get young people into the church, make a decision, and Sunday be part, morning, be part yeah. of the Sunday morning congregation? Mm. That's, that's whether, whether we'll articulate that, or even if we're vehemently against it, I think that that's so often that is the ingrained culture that is within our church. And when that is the culture, that dictates what all of our projects look like. It, looks, it dictates what our interactions with young people look like. I think asking the question, instead of getting young people to come to church, what does it look like to bring church to young people, is, is huge. That I think that's a, it's probably one of the most challenging questions that, that any group can ask is, is what does it look like if these young people are never going to walk through the doors of a church what does it look like for us to bring church to them and not in a kind of way which says well we'll do a little bit as a kind of teaser almost like a trailer for a film yeah. like we'll show you what you could have won and then say come and, back this way and then, and then, it's, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then say come back yeah. and I think there's some really innovative stuff and I think when, it's, when you're looking at it locally um, it's, it's got to be contextual it's got to work with young people who, who you're working with in the areas that you, that you are um, but I mean there's some amazing stuff with people setting up uh, prayer communities in schools um, chatting to, to kind of chaplains who have somehow found themselves leading churches for young people who have just no context of, of kind of church yeah. or, or Jesus before that. Um, I think there's some amazing stuff with uh, groups who have basically just committed to saying, you know what, I'm just going to I'm just going to give the offer to pray for young people, mm. just like not long prayers, but short prayers, yeah. but in, in everything that I do. So actually it doesn't become a kind of a, a, almost like a conveyor belt of, of faith that kind of, yeah. okay, you're on level two faith. You're yeah. not ready to be prayed with yet. When you reach level four, we yeah. can pray with you. That actually, how do we take every opportunity to, to introduce everyone to Jesus? Mm. Um, and I think that there are really, really simple, really gentle ways that mm. we can do that. Mm. And I, I mean, I think so often that is, that's one of the really key things as well, is that we need to shift our mindset from how do we introduce young people to church to how do we introduce young people to Jesus. Love it. Because Love actually, it. if we introduce young people to Jesus, then actually the natural follow-on from that is that you want to be part of a community yes. who are helping shape what does that look yeah. like. I think if we try and introduce young people to church, then actually they're always going to come We're trying to plug short. them in, aren't we, to an institution where yeah. they've got to somehow try and fit... And actually, I think some of the most exciting things that my husband and I have done ever in the past was starting with that question and offering prayer and young people in these projects going, oh, yeah, I want that. And then suddenly off the end of these projects, we were, we were developing little communities, little missional communities yeah. that suddenly we suddenly went, oh, my goodness, that's what's just grown. Oh, we yeah. hadn't even planned for that. So I think this is the era to take risks, isn't it? To innovate, just to look around you and see who are the others that have a real heart for reaching this group of young people and how can we love them? How can we find out where they are? And there are some great examples. I mean, Richard Passmore up north has some brilliant work, doesn't he? Yeah. Developing church in the context. So how 
can we get in touch with you, Jimmy? How can we get a bit more Jimmy Dale in our lives? And if you want us to be in your life, because you've yeah. got a lot of lives that you're in, um, but just just flag up something that we can kind of connect with. Yeah, sure. So I mean, I, I think one of the things for me personally is like I, I want to be as accessible as possible. So I'm quite active on Twitter, so Jimmy underscore Dale, uh, or you can drop me an email, so Jimmy Dale at Church of England um, I'd, I'd really love to to chat further with what could this look like contextually. Um, I think there's a number of things that that we're kind of trying to shape from a national end as far as resources. And I think one of the things we're really keen on is is having that shaped as much as we can by by the voices at grassroots level. Um, so yeah, please like get in touch and uh, and yeah, we'd love to love to continue love that it. conversation with you. And it's true, isn't it, that you and Justin will be like BFFs aren't you it's it's that, like, that's so true in it that's, that, like... is, that is exactly true yeah. <laughs> I love it I love it Jimmy thank you so much for your time and for all that you are doing and absolutely guys follow him on Twitter this guy is a planet brain and it's so exciting to chat to people who not only have brilliant strategic minds around what we do but you, you have a real deep sort of theology of this real, real thinking that's kind of been played out in your life over many years of brilliant leadership so Jimmy thank you so much it's alright you Escape Podcast! So great interview, Rachel, at Lambeth Palace, as usual. Did you bump into the Archbishop? Oh, no, I didn't. I bumped into Kira Foe, though. We went and had a little wander around the garden, which is very exciting. Nice. Did you play croquet? We didn't. We just sat sat on benches looking at this beautiful building. And and we did what... I don't know if you guys do this, people listening. There's a friend that you just put the world to rights with. Oh. And we just did that. We just put oh. the world, and then we prayed for each other. And it was just oh, it was so lovely. Yeah. I don't have a real friend who I do that with. I do have an imaginary friend called Tony, and uh, he is a giant bear. And he and I walk around the gardens together. We don't get to go to Lambeth Palace, but we sometimes go to sort of public gardens. My mouth is wide just, open. Just like, what's talking. happened? Where's Martin? Tony the bear. <laughs> right, Martin needs a friend, a real friend who he could walk and talk and pray with. Nobody so wants if you'd to like talk to, to me. do that, only then... Tony talks. Sometimes Tony just disappears. Doesn't want to talk anymore. Anyway, do you want to ask me That's some when the tears come. Um, so, so what did you find most interesting in that conversation with, with Jimmy? What was the kind of key thing that you, you left that going on? Oh. Well, I think, actually I have to say, I, I did walk away, because I did partway through saying, my husband and I, back in the day, did X, Y and Z, sounded a bit smug. But actually I was just saying to your fair, Martin, that sometimes you're involved with something with young people, and at the time you don't realise how significant or precious it is until afterwards, and you look back and say... Actually, that was really interesting. So, so Jason and I was with some others in a church in North London. We're doing some street evangelism, just doing some detached work. Got some funding from local authorities to do some work with young people in gangs in the streets. We we weren't. I wasn't particularly professional about it. I didn't know what I was doing, but the, the team I was with did. And so me and Jace joined them. And and then these young people wanted to explore faith. So we set up something on a Sunday night, and it was all very kind of ad hoc. But about twenty six of them would come mm. every Sunday night, completely. You know, not from church families, not from sort of any kind of background of faith, um, mainly from other faiths, I suppose, in the way. But but God did amazing things in among them. And yet, at the time, I remember the conversations we had as a team. We were basically like just tying ourselves up in knots, trying to work out how to take this group and put them into a Sunday morning mm. thing. And looking back now, I'm just like, why did we do that? Yeah, like they yeah. came every Sunday evening. It was really authentic. We had other adults join us. There was worship. There was Bible teaching. There was ministry. There was breaks for cigarettes partway through because they were all heavy smokers. And 
and there was lots of food and we washed their clothes and like what what about that mm. didn't at the time say to me this is church yeah yeah it's bizarre well i think we were we're still a little uncomfortable because there's this tension there is a pressure from our church congregations and mm. maybe our employers mm. you know if we if we work for was, a church yeah. mm. that's saying that's saying mm, come on yeah. you know what we want to see as evidence of success is the classic bums yeah. on seats like unless we see the pews filled on sunday morning yeah we are not looking like we're growing as a church and and we don't have the metrics and the measurements to record that kind of success success or failure in most churches is measured by your attendance yeah. at our service and that probably needs to change yeah and then with that maybe our mindsets would change and we lighten yeah. up a bit about yeah. what church is yeah it's, I mean, I'm, yeah, so I did walk away actually feeling really gutted. Mm. Um, and amazingly, many of these young people actually are now in their early 20s. Some of them have moved closer in our area and one person's moved next door and, and some of them still come mm. and stay with us. So we've still got good relationships mm. with them. But I often now just say to them, I'm really sorry that we stopped that thing that was really working when you were yeah. 15. I'm sorry we tried to squeeze you into something that didn't fit. And one girl said to me the other day, because I chatted her about it, she said, yeah, I just remember coming on a Sunday morning and all the adults just looked like they didn't want me there. And I thought, mm. yeah, I bet they did. <laughs> you probably and, didn't want to be there. Yeah, and, and and why did we not see that? Like, yeah. we're the ones that knew them and loved them most. So it, so I found the conversation with Jimmy really, really interesting, actually, mm. because church is God's plan A. Like, yeah, yeah. Christ is revealed through his body. So there's yeah. something about us being gathered together that is more, more demonstrates who Christ is than us on our own. Yeah. But it is, we also need to sometimes say the gathered church in some settings actually quite toxic for young people and yeah, I yeah, that's yeah. a really tough thing to say yeah but we can't we can't stop there so yeah so I think we um we do absolutely fundamentally want to introduce young people to Jesus not introduce young people to ourselves as charismatic youth leaders yeah. with whom they build a, a yeah. relationship of faith or with some institution mm. but at the same time the church is the revelation of mm. Jesus the church is uh, in a corporate sense, not an individual sense, the body mm. of Christ. And it's taken me years to actually understand a very simple word. You know, there is a physical sense in which, there's a very literal sense in which we become the body, mm. or like a physical body of an embodiment of Jesus. Mm. It's not just a sort of airy-fairy metaphor. We actually become the embodiment of him. And so it's not enough to say, do you know what, let's just be pragmatic and introduce them to the concept of Jesus, mm. the person of Jesus as someone they can individually relate to. It's not enough. Mm. Like we do need, we need to change church. We need to make church better so that mm. it's better at receiving uh, and discipling and loving young people. Mm. So unfortunately, we yeah. can't just set stuff up over there. Like yeah. we also need to bash church over the head. <laughs> and it is, it is challenging because I think so often what, what the churches that I've been involved with, because no church is perfect and I will count myself in on the imperfection, but, but often as churches, they're afraid of change. We don't, because it feels so comfortable to do things in a certain way, but we don't know, we don't realize how monocultural that is, how mm. kind of, there's so many barriers to, to anybody walking in and, and trying to fit into that. So when, yeah, I, I think often a youth ministry is the place where maybe some of the big questions about church culture are, are aired. But I think it's very hard for a youth worker if you air it and then the message coming back is, no, 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 we're not going to change that. Then, then what actually do you do? What I mean, Jimmy's suggestion of, well, then call your Tuesday night thing a congregation, call mm. it a church, but it's an interesting one. But how yeah. realistic is that? How yeah. Because suddenly then the whole church structure comes in on that. And yeah, it's, it's right. very challenging to know how to do this. 
Yeah, I'm afraid it is. And we should probably do... Yeah. We should probably do a podcast or series of podcasts on the whole idea of youth congregations yes. and youth so revisit specific. That again. Yeah. So it feels like the time is right to have that conversation yeah. again. So let's commit to doing that. Because yeah. I, I think it's an interesting place. I said 10 years ago, that conversation, from my experience, would have been... Um, what we mean by youth church is a place that young people it's like a kind of a subculture they hang out together it's all geared around them um, and it's a kind of a protection and there's some so much about that that was so brilliant mm. but I think it, it it is evolving now to find its time and so yeah, we see yeah. models like the St Lawrence's in Reading yeah. that is congregation for young people that any adult yeah, that's part of it yeah. is has to be missional for young people yeah yeah um, but they're I, evolving into yeah. a more age kind of space as well. So yes, it's, it's very interesting it's to see how that's changing. Yeah, let's get some people on. Brilliant. Yeah. That's wonderful. Look, we should do some shout outs. We should. And I don't have the list. Oh my goodness, the piece Let's see if we can do it without the, the list. Peace paper is over there. Let's right, see if we can okay. do it without the list, okay? I think it was. Don't look um, at the list. Uh, it, oh Come my on. goodness Beth Stout. Beth Stout. Beth Stout, Cold Paul Window. Paul Window. We love you. Think you're wonderful. Claire Wallace. Claire Wallace and the Hello to Claire Stephen Wallace. Mitchell. Stephen Mitchell. Oh my goodness. There you go, guys. It comes from the heart, not just a piece of paper that producer Rachel hands us. <laughs> we know you well. We love you. This is a very important moment of yes. the uh, the podcast because um, even though Tony the Bear is waiting outside the door for a walk, mm. um, he he's letting me just do this last bit with you. And it's, <laughs> this is it's, scary. It's I know, time I know for you, you well. to do the Patreon plug. <laughs> On your own. I can do this on my own, but I am slightly worried about what's going on in your brain. But anyway, so the Patreon plug, everybody, take a deep breath. I'm going to get it right this week. Uh, so basically, this podcast is free and will always be free. But as you um, as you know, there's lots of things that happen at Youthscape. And so if you fund us through Patreon, it helps us do more work with young people here lo- locally in Luton. Um, and so you can go to <laughs> patreon.com forward slash and you can sponsor us a dollar a month which is the equivalent of 79 pence <sighs> my work here is done go find your bear Tony is uh, is calling to me Tony does not exist he's not there Tony Tony is not real I'm coming Tony he's a figment of your imagination I want to talk goodbye Yeah. I don't have a real friend who I do that with. I do have an imaginary friend called Tony. And uh, he is a giant bear. And he and I walk around the gardens together. We don't get to go to Lambeth Palace, but we sometimes go to sort of public gardens. My mouth is wide just, open. Just like, what's talking. happened? Where's Martin? Tony the bear. <laughs> My work here is done. Go find your bear. Tony is, uh, is calling to me. Tony does not exist. He's not there. Tony? Tony is not real. I'm coming, Tony! He's a figment of your imagination! I want to talk! Goodbye.